title of my sermon tonight is, Who is Blind? We've all seen or know blind people, uh, and basically they have a problem with their eyes, which doesn't allow them to see light and make pictures in their mind. Right now, I'd like all of you to close your eyes, and I want you to think about what it would be like to be blind. Imagine you're walking in your house, and you can't see, so you sort of have to hold on to the furniture as you go down. You could know how many steps you got to go to get over into the kitchen and find the refrigerator, open the door. Imagine never being able to see a sunset. Imagine never being able to see your parents, your brothers, or your sisters, your wife. Imagine you're walking down the street and you have your little cane and you're tapping as, from side to side as you walk down the street. As a young child, I remember thinking about what it would be like to be blind and I thought, how horrible that would be not to be able to see. Go ahead and open your eyes. Tonight we're going to study about a man who was blind from birth. We're going to study from uh, John chapter 9. And we're going to read starting in verse 1. Okay. John 9, 1, and it's talking about the healing of the man who was born blind. Um, as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he would be born blind? And Jesus answered, it was neither that this man sinned nor his parents but it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him we must work the works of him who sent me as long as it is day night is coming when no one can work uh, while I am in the world I am the light of the world when he had said this he spat on the ground, made clay of the spittle, and applied it to the eyes, uh, to, to his eyes. And he said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated scent. So he went away, and he washed, and he came back seeing. Therefore the neighbors and those who previously saw him as a beggar were saying, Is this not the one who used to sit? Uh, and beg others were saying this is he still others were saying no but he looks like him but he kept saying I am the one so they were saying to him how then were your eyes opened and he answered the man who is called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said unto me go to Siloam and wash so I went away, and I washed, and I received sight. They said to him, Where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought 
um, they brought him to the Pharisees. Uh, they brought to the Pharisees the man who was formerly blind. Now it was a, a uh, Sabbath on the day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees were also asking him again how he received his sight. And he said to them, He applied clay to my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Therefore, some of the Pharisees were saying, This man is not from God, because he does not keep the Sabbath. But others were saying, How can a man who is a sinner perform such signs? And there was division among them. So they said to the blind man again, What do you say about him since he opened your eyes? And he said, He is a prophet. The Jews did not believe it of him that he had been blind and received sight until after, until they called the parents of the very one who had received his sight and questioned them, saying, Is this your son? Who you say was born blind? Then how does he now see? His parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind. But how he now sees, we do not know. Or who opened his eyes, we do not know. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone confessed him confessed him to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. For this reason, his parents said, he is of age, ask him. So the second time they called the man who had been blind and said to him, give glory to God, we know that this man is a sinner. And then he answered, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, though, I was blind, now I see. So they said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered them, I told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Do you? They reviled him and said, You are his disciple. But we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses. But as for this man, we do not know where he is from. The man answered and said to them, Well, here is an amazing thing, that you do not know where he is from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is God-fearing, and does his will, he hears him. Since the beginning of time, it has never been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, You were born entirely in sins, and you are teaching us? So they put him out. Jesus heard that they had put him out, and finding him, Finding him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe him? Jesus said to him, You have both seen him, and he is the one talking with you. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. And Jesus said, 
For judgment I came into this world, so that those who do not see may see, and that those who see may become blind. For those of the Pharisees who were, who were, were with him heard these things and said to him, We are not blind too, are we? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But since you say, We see, your sin remains. Is this a story about a man miraculously allowed to gain his sight again, like the stories of the feeding of the 5,000? Is it simply a miracle uh, that Jesus is sharing here? Uh, Jesus, like Jesus walking on the water, uh, pretty amazing thing. I haven't seen anybody doing that one lately. Uh, Jesus calming the sea in the middle of a storm as the disciples sit in the boat afraid, frightened, not knowing what to do. They call Jesus. Jesus tells the wind to stop, and it stops. Not five minutes later, but immediately. He has power over the wind and the seas. Jesus, Jesus turning water into wine. He takes the vats, turns the water that was put into them, and turns it into wine. Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. That doesn't happen every day either. Is this a story about miracles? Is that what the purpose of this story is? This story would lend itself to this way of thinking because it shows that Jesus had power and control over his creation. Uh, so it's not too hard to see Jesus being able to heal, heal this man, and this, this man was blind from birth since he had already created the man in the first place. Um, yeah, I think this is a part of this story. Is this story about a blind, poor, uneducated man making the wealthy, educated Pharisees look silly? Um, as he returned from washing his, his eyes, he looks different so that his neighbors have a hard time recognizing him. And uh, verse 8 says, Therefore the neighbors and those who previously saw him as a beggar were saying, is this not the one who used to sit and beg? Others were saying, this is he. Still others were saying, no. Now it just looks like him. But he kept saying, I am the one. And then the, they start the questioning of this man who is healed. Uh, the people end up bringing the healed man to the Pharisees. Uh, and the Pharisees want to belittle and downplay this and make this go away. Uh, and that's their purpose in talking to this man because they don't want Jesus getting any claim to fame here. Um, they abhor Jesus. They have a desire to see him killed um, because they think he is... Satan personified. Um, in verse 13, it says, they, 
brought to the Pharisees the man who was formerly blind. Now it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. And then the Pharisees were also asking him again how he received his sight. And he said to them, He applied clay to my eyes, and I washed, and I see. A straightforward answer. Um, Simple question, simple answer. Uh, Therefore, some of the Pharisees were saying, This man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. But others were saying, How can a man who is a sinner perform such signs? And there was a division among them. So they said to the blind man again, What do you say about him since he opened your eyes? And he said, He is a prophet. Um, again, they're trying to make this go away. Um, and they make an assumption, and basically, they're starting off with the assumption saying, He doesn't know God, He is a sinner, He's a bad guy. So, therefore, whatever he's doing, we got to find a way to discredit him. So he spit on the ground, made a little mud, stuck it in the guy's eyes. Therefore, he was working. Therefore, he's a bad dude, and we need to get rid of him uh, because uh, we don't want to lose face uh, because if he gains credibility, then what we have to say is going down the twos. Um, Okay. Um, So then, let's see, where was I at again? Oh, he's a prophet. Um, Verse 18. The Jews did not believe it of him, so they had the blind man, the man who had been blind and received sight, until they called, the, they didn't believe him because until they called his parents, the very one who had received his sight, and questioned them, saying, Is this your son who you say was born blind? Then how does he see? And his parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but how he now sees, we do not know, or who opened his eyes, we do not know. Ask him if he ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone confessed him to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. For this reason, his parents said, "He is of age. Ask him." Okay. So again, they try to put doubt in the minds of the people by saying, you know, he really never really was blind. He just maybe pretended out in public. Uh, He was a fake, uh, an imposter. Maybe they subbed somebody in and it looks a lot like him, but it really wasn't him. So they're trying to put doubt uh, into the ears of the people. And they're trying to argue this point that, well, 
he never really was blind. And therefore, if we can get somebody to say, oh yeah, well, he really wasn't blind before, then we don't have to believe in and what happened. There was no miracle here. Jesus gets no credit. We feel good about ourselves again, and we can go on. But the parents, they're asked these questions, and they basically him haul around the questions. They say that, yeah, he is our son, and he was born blind, but we're not going to answer any other questions on the grounds that it may incriminate us. Uh, because you guys are going to boot us out of the synagogue if we answer these questions and you don't like our answers. Uh, so they're afraid to give the true answer, so they just sort of defer it back to their son. Okay. Um, so a second time, they call the man who's been blind and say to him, Give glory to God. We know this man is a sinner. He then answered, Whether he is a sinner... I do not know. One thing I know, that though I was blind, now I see. So they said to him, what did he do to you? And how did he open your eyes? Um, so they come back and they start questioning the son again. And they start off again with that supposition you know, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner because by golly, he spat on the ground and rubbed it in the guy's eyes and that is a sin. And therefore, you shouldn't listen to this sinner because this guy is no good. Um, and the guy's response was like, I don't know if this guy's a sinner or not, you know? I just met him today. I didn't really get to talk to him. He was just standing there, and he spat on the ground, stuck this clay on my eyes, told me to go, and now I can see. Oh, okay. A little hard to argue with this. Um, and so then they go, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered them, I told you already, uh, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you not want to become his disciples too? Do you? They reviled him and say, You are his disciple. But we are the Well, let's stop there. Um, now, the man is catching on to this false logic that the Pharisees are trying to pawn off on him. And... They ask him to repeat himself again. I was like, how many times do I have to repeat this to you? You know, I already told you once. I told it to all the other people once. Now i got to say it again. Um, but then he cleverly adds this, this little line in there. Um, do you want to become his disciples too? Now... You can see this would be like taking and cutting somebody and then pouring salt in. It's sort of like they're already saying, you know, this is a bad dude. Do you want to become his disciple? Um, he's sort of rubbing it in right at this point in time, and he gets better as he goes. Uh, 
and this is, you know, a blind beggar, not an educated man, but God is working in his mouth right now. Uh, he is speaking for God, and he doesn't even know it, because God's got to be filling him with these these one-liners to come back. Um, okay. Um, they reviled him and said, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he is from. The man answered and said to them, Well, here is an amazing thing, that you do not know where he is from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not hear sinners. But if anyone is God-fearing and does his will, he hears him. Since the beginning of time, it has never been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. Doom, doom, doom. Pharisees are looking even worse. Now he's cut the other arm and both legs and he's pouring the salt in they have nothing to say so they have to shoo him off and they shoo him off and said ah you're just a poor blind beggar you don't know anything you don't know any better uh, you were born in your sins and you are teaching us we're big proud pharisees you don't know anything um, and so they put him out. Is that what this story is about? Is this about lambasting the Pharisees? Yeah, to a small point. Yeah, it's about that. It's showing that the Pharisees' logic isn't right. But here's what I think the true purpose of this chapter of the blind man is Jesus is painting a picture of salvation into the background of the conversation so that all would see his true purpose in coming to the world that he has come to uh, reveal his purpose for his coming the blind man would represent the spiritual blindness of the nation the blindness to see the light of the world. The, the story of the blind man receiving his sight is a sign that Jesus can open the eyes of the spiritually blind, that they can receive spiritual sight, representing complete faith. This faith represents passing from darkness into light. Um, giving men the opportunity to respond to Jesus as the Spirit moves in and draws them to himself. This is the primary purpose for which Jesus came into the world. True Christian faith comes when we discover that we have lost our sight because sin acts like shackles on our eyes and so in a spiritual sense 
we are blind from birth. We are unable to reverse this condition within our own power. We can't give ourselves sight. We have no ability to do this. Um, Jesus is the only one who can remove the shackles so that we are able to see spiritually. It is also not insignificant that the man was a blind beggar, totally incapable of taking care for his own physical needs on his own power, that he spent his days asking people to supply for his physical needs. We, too, are totally dependent on Jesus for our spiritual sight. To obtain physical sight, the beggar must go and wash in the pool of Siloam. For mankind to receive spiritual sight, we must go and wash in the cleansing waters that come from the crucified Christ. And for Christ in his atoning death is the only source that we can go to to receive eternal life. The Christian faith stands alone and it is the only faith which is not a faith of works done by man to reach God, but it is a faith that God in his great love has reached down to us, to mankind, and it pays the entire price so that we can receive salvation. Other faiths are always up there reaching and grabbing at straws trying to please God so that they'll be pleasing to him and that they can somehow achieve some sort of goodness in their own rights by doing these good deed-doer kind of things that they can be okay in his sight. But the Bible gives a totally different idea and then it comes down from God as a free gift that we can't purchase it, can't buy it with money, uh, can't find it on the internet. Uh, you know, we just can't get it without Jesus. There's only one way. The blind beggar was told to go and wash in the pool of Siloam, meaning sent, so that he may receive his sight. But the deeper meaning, I think, is for the spiritual cleansing that we must go to the real Siloam, that is Jesus, the one who was sent, the one who was sent from his Father in heaven, so that blind sinners, or yeah, blind sinners can receive sight. This chapter as this chapter unfolds, it becomes clear that even though the Pharisees claim to be spiritual leaders of the nation of Israel, God's chosen people, they are really pretenders and are actually spiritually blind. Jesus shows how their scorn for him, the light of the world, that they are shutting their eyes to the grace and the truth of God and falling into a great darkness. But in comparison, 
the formerly blind beggar is moving faster and faster and faster towards his precious, lovingly, heavenly Father. Uh, it's a contrast. One's going down and the other one's getting closer. One's falling away and the other one's achieving the desired goal. Um, in verse 1 it says, As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. In verse 35, Jesus says, He heard that they had put him out, and finding him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? These two verses show that Jesus is seeking out the beggar, not the beggar seeking out Jesus. Um, this is a, another little, little piece of information that pulls things together and shows that God is the one who seeks after us. Romans 3.11 says, There is none who understands. There is none who seeks for God. This verse shows how God seeks after us and that we do not seek after God. Um, but the last three verses make it really clear that this parable is prim primarily about belief and unbelief. And Jesus said, For judgment I came into the world, so that those who do not see may see, and that those who see may become blind. Those of the Pharisees who were with him heard these things and said to him, We are not blind too, are we? And Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But since you say, We see, your sin remains. Um, 1 Corinthians one twenty seven says, But God has chosen the foolish things of the world, to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of this world to shame the things which are strong. The Pharisees thought they had it all together, but in actuality, they were blind. They couldn't see, and their self-righteousness was standing in front of them like, shackles so that they couldn't see anything so that they couldn't even hear anything um, and the more Jesus talked the more furious they got because they saw how opposite they were that they were not anything like this man and they did not really want to be anything like this man and Jesus shining the light on them, they chose darkness. They saw the light, but they chose darkness. Who is blind? Are we blind? Have we chosen light over darkness? 
we all have to make a choice in this life. Who are we going to serve? Jesus? Do we want to be like a Pharisee? You know, coming to church every Sunday and yelling and screaming at everybody to get to church and read your Bible. I'm not saying those things are bad things. Uh, but people can come to church every Sunday, every Wednesday night. Uh, they can pray. They can stand up in front of you all and preach. We have to look into our own hearts to determine whether we're children of the light or whether we really sort of prefer the darkness. Um, everybody in this world is going to make a choice. They're either going to choose light or they're going to choose darkness. Um, I pray that everyone here has already chosen that light, and I believe many of you have. But it, maybe we can take it tonight an urgency that there are many out there who are blind. And maybe we can be Boy Scouts and help them across the street and show them the true light so that they no longer have to be blind, that they can see for themselves and experience Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we, we thank you for your word, for how it reveals to us your son Jesus in that he has a plan and a purpose for each of us, Lord. Help us to realize that plan, to take it with both hands and experience it, to have joy over it, to share it with the world and be excited. Uh, not just go through the day humdrum, but to be excited about what Jesus has done for the world, that we can share it so that we may help someone lose the shackles of sin as Jesus draws them into themselves. Help us, Lord, to be a people of the word and a people who desire to see others come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.